and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. And Dobson, I am so excited to have you as one of the She's the Boss Chats guests. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for inviting me. This is really exciting. Oh, no, it's my absolute pleasure and I'm dying to hear your story. So, But let's start for anyone who's listening. What is it that you do now? Well, my business is called Effective Behaviour Management and what I do um, is I help families and parents to manage their children's behaviour without tantrums (laughs) and tears and all that stuff. Well, any parent listening is going to go, I want to hear more about this. <laughs> okay, so why did you set it up? What, what was there? Was there something that happened or? Oh, Tell look, me. I think it was why a gradual evolution. I'd, um, I'd been a teacher for almost 20 years and right. I then in the last 10 years got involved in positive behaviour supports. So that tends to be um, where – we look at, you know, what the kids are good at and we set them up for success instead of punishing them when they get it wrong. Did that for 10 years and I was actually training a lot of teachers. I was going all around the Riverina where I'm based and trained heaps and heaps of teachers and right. I realised that parents didn't get that opportunity. It was a massive gap and I had a lot right. of parents saying, have you got any tips, have you got any ideas? And I thought, I can give you a lot more than tips. So from that idea, I decided that I'd go into business for myself because I would be able to reach parents much better that way. And yeah, the rest is history. And how long ago was that? So you were teaching for 20 years. How long ago did you set up the business? I set up the business at the start of 2020. Great timing. (laughs) (laughs) Good timing. (laughs) Uh, But look, it wasn't a problem for me because I did an awful lot of coaching on Zoom. So it really didn't. And I bet the parents were so grateful. Oh, especially, especially with um, doing a lot of homeschooling and, um, yeah, Yeah. just, you know, helping with routines and things like that. Fantastic. So was there a light bulb moment that got you into this sort of challenging behaviour from kids thing? Was there a particular child or an event that happened through the school or something that you just went – or a parent, as you said, saying tips and you went, hang on a minute, I've got to actually do this as a thing. Yeah, I think it probably, again, it was more of a gradual realisation, but not long after I started teaching, I became a year advisor. So I was a high school teacher. So I was working right. with about 120 kids from the age of 12 all the way through to 18. And the beauty of that is right. I still see them now. So I was working with parents as well. and. <laughs> I got to see what life was really like from the home front. I sat in so many homes where I went, wow, teachers don't really know what's going on here. Saw some incredible incredible poverty, incredible tragedy, and I saw the impact that that had on kids. Right. And I realised that behaviour is not a reflection of the child's character. It's about what's going on in their life and the environment. And that really opened up my eyes. So I guess that was the light bulb moment. The kids need a better chance. You know, they need second chances. They get a rough trot when it comes to managing behaviour. And parents need a lot of support. 
Oh, my God, you're such a godsend for all these parents. So, okay, let's go right back to when Anne was a little girl and tell me how what, what it was like growing up and then why you chose teaching and how your career kind of evolved. Would you mind? Sure, sure. Well, um, my mum was actually a teacher and my uncle was also a teacher. So I guess it was um, going right. to be, you know, natural that I was going to become a teacher and uh, mum said. In your blood. Yeah, yeah, she said she saw it at 17. I was with the, sitting with a bunch of kids and she said she just knew I had this thing with kids. Um, but I actually didn't get started with teaching. I resisted it because it was like the family tradition. I went, oh, I'm not doing that. So I got involved I'm in other things. <laughs> no, nah, I'm not going to do that. Got involved so what did, no, in. No, 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 no. You can't say I got involved in other things. What did you do? So when you finished high school, what did you do? Well, when I finished high school, I was in banking and insurance and in retail. And what was really interesting, right. all of them were similar because I was dealing with kids. And I was sorry, I was dealing with people and ha- handling their needs. I was a sales rep, did a lot yeah. of traveling. Um, and wow, uh, what for? What were you selling? Oh, what wasn't I selling? It was the 80s when. Um, the recession we had to have and businesses were crashing everywhere. So <laughs> I sold packaging, I sold um, embroidery um, kits and wool. Remember all those long stitch <laughs> kits? Sold all that. Um, yeah. Vacuum cleaners. My, one of my greatest mentors um, right. was my boss when I sold <laughs> vacuum cleaners. And right. oh, I've heaps of stuff. Um, <laughs> and then I got into insurance. So, so, but you decided not to keep. Right, I was going to say with sales, you didn't love the sales and want to keep going. You moved into something else. No, I didn't. Isn't it funny because I felt that I wasn't very good at sales. Um, Remember it was the 80s. It was Wall Street. It was Gordon Gecko. It was the time of, you know, the big shoulder pads and power dressing and you had to force the sales. And it wasn't me. Shoulder pads and big wide belts. And I had these (laughs) massive big earrings and I had this purple suit, bright purple suit with these massive shoulder pads. It's embarrassing. And massive hair. But (laughs) while I loved interacting with people, I hated forcing the the sale. That wasn't me. And that's why I got out of it. I wanted to help people. Right. And But you moved into insurance. Yeah, I I moved into insurance. (laughs) I went from sales to, yeah, sales to insurance. And it was interesting. I learned an awful lot about insurance. Again, it was about helping people. It was about finding what was best for their needs. And I still think insurance is great. I love insurance um, because of what it does to protect our economy and what it does to protect people. So, and I love the history of it. So, yeah, I did that. And then I had my son. And uh, I got married to my beautiful right. husband, Brian, and I had my son and the world changed. Um, David was born deaf and we right. had no history or experience with deafness and for us it looked like a tragedy. I realise now it wasn't. So we then spent five years, Brian supported us and I worked on David. So I learned sign language. It's my second language. Um and all wow. about the world of being deaf um, and got him ready for school and he eventually ended up going into mainstream school and now he's a PT living in Melbourne. So what I realised oh, from that. What a fantastic story. Oh, and you'd be such a good mum. Yeah, go oh, on. look, <laughs> it wasn't just look, it was the two of us. Um, but, yeah, he's our greatest success. And from that, of course, I realised I Absolutely. actually liked teaching. 
And mum, of course, was fantastic. Mum was wonderful support with Dave and um, she helped me a lot as mums do. So from that, I'd actually been doing a degree in English literature because I loved English and went to a careers advisor and said, look, I don't want to go back to insurance again. What do I do? She did all the psych tests and that, and she said, well, there's two things that you're really meant to do, and one of them is be on the stage, and the other one was to teach. <laughs> and I said this to mum, and mum just went, mm-hmm. right. no surprises there, honey. So <laughs> my husband and I wanted to move out of Sydney, and we wanted to live in the country. So I used my job as a teacher to move to the country, and here I still am. And... Yeah, then oh, I taught. so you didn't grow up in the country? No, I'm not a country girl. No, I'm such a townie. Mm. Oh, yeah. right. No. Oh, that's Bush, interesting you live in yeah. Al- Albury-Wodonga now, don't you? Yeah, live in Albury-Wodonga. We've been there, yeah, 20 years. And, um, yeah, we love it. Um, I love the fact that, you know, every <laughs> end of every you- street you'll see a hill. Yeah, gorgeous. And what did Brian do? What, what, what's his job? Okay, well, Brian was also in sales for a long time too. He sold packaging and all that. We actually met when we worked together in Grace Brothers way back in 1984. He actually is in um, – he's a patient transport driver with um, the local hospital. Oh, okay. So we have, you know, one hospital on two sides of the border. So there's a, there's a growing demand for patient transport drivers. So when you don't need – an ambulance driver, but you still need to move sick people around. That's what Brian does. And he's wonderful with people. He's great. Oh, well, I'm sure he is. Uh, I can only imagine the two of you are divine. So, okay, so you've um, decided you're going to do teaching. Roughly how old are you at this stage? I was nearly 40 uh, at that stage. Yeah, so. Oh, my goodness. So, So you did sales and insurance until you were 40? Oh, uh, yeah, well, I mean, I had five years off when I had David, but, yeah, till I was about 35, yeah. Right. So, first 15 years of my working life, right. I was in banking, okay. sales and insurance, yeah. And um, and then did you go and study to be a teacher? Well, I had already been studying part-time. I'd, um, I'd actually started doing a degree in economics. Again, it was the 80s, you know, all about yeah. – Business and all that sort of stuff. That was a, oh, it was a shocking time. When you look back and go, really? But it was, that was the culture. And it was like, oh, I'm going to make it big. I'm going to be a millionaire by yes, the time absolutely. I'm 30 sort of thing. So I did that. I did economics and I hated it. I hated it, hated it. And again, right. mum's great advice. She said, do what you love. And I actually love books and literature and plays um, and poetry and stuff. So I did a degree in English. And when I was just about ready to graduate, we had David. And so all I had to do was do a another qualification to qualify to teach, the grad DPED, and I worked really, really hard on that. So then I became what was known as a targeted graduate. So I had a guaranteed position with the Department of Ed in any school I wanted pretty much. Right. And we chose – well, we chose anywhere in the country that was um, – Anywhere in the country that was within 100 kilometres of an Australian hearing office to support David. And we were lucky enough to get Albury. Clever. Okay. Right. So what was it like your first day of being a teacher? <laughs> I still remember it. It was blazing hot, blazing hot, surrounded by yeah. bushfire smoke. My mentor was off fighting fires, so I figured it out on my own. 
there was no air conditioning and there was ash floating in through the window. Oh, oh it goodness. was shocking. And I remember standing with my hands on the table saying what my expectations were and I was had my hands firmly planted on the table because my knees were shaking. I was so scared. <laughs> um, that was my and first day. did the kids day. love you straight away or did they give you a hard time? Um, I don't remember kids giving me a hard time. Honestly, I, um, oh, I'd have a laugh with them. Um, I learned as much from them as they did from, you know, as I'd like to think they did from me. And, you know, yeah. there is not a day goes past when I don't run into a former student from whatever age who said, I remember you. You did this for me. You did that for me. I've had parents come up and say, when my oh. child was in year eight, we had a parent-teacher meeting and you said this and you did that and I never forgot it. And I realised I had something special there. I had this connection with kids and I still do. Today, I had lunch with a former student who's now same age as my son. I'm meeting with another student this afternoon who will become a client. Um, yeah, Every day wow. I will run into a student that I've worked with. I've taught 2,500 children and I believe I've had wow. a positive impact and with all of them. I'm so proud of it. And they're all different and I've learned so much yeah, from them. Yeah, you should be. So on the, on the uh, I was going to say entrepreneurial journey, but in your career, because obviously you've done more teaching than you've done this consulting, what's, what's it been like running your own business and what was the decision – that finally tipped you over that went, I'm not actually going to stay as a teacher. I'm going to go and consult because very few teachers that I ever hear of do that. You, once you're into that sort of government, I guess, treadmill, whatever the word might be for it, it, it it's rare for people to then go out and set up on their own. Oh, in yeah, my experience it is. Anyway, so yeah. what, um, was, what was it like leaving the security of that great job? Terrifying. Terrifying. In my first year, I kept saying to my husband, what have I done? What have I done? Um, but, look, the reason I did it was because I could really see this gap with parents. Um, and the other yeah. thing I learned, that you know, a lot of teachers got professional development burnout. Um, and, I look, I didn't feel that I was getting as much of an impact in schools, particularly with positive behaviour supports, than I would have liked. And I knew the difference that it made in children's lives, massive difference. You can reduce suspensions, reduce expulsions, um, keep them in school longer, reduce absenteeism so much. But at the end of the day, we've only got the kids for 40 weeks in a year, for six hours in a day. And if you're a high school teacher, you've only got them for about an hour, two hours at the most. You haven't got much of a chance to have an impact. Right. But- Parents, it's a different situation. And the other thing is, you know, parents don't get the same sort of professional development that teachers get. And no. yet we're all, you know, it's a triangle. We all work together, parents, teachers and students, to, to work out what's best for kids. So, but the actual, yeah, stepping out from that, I had no idea what I was doing. Oh, look, I can plan a lesson. I know how to quote Shakespeare. I know how to mark HSC papers. I know how to write a five-paragraph <laughs> essay. Dead easy. But all these things about business that I knew nothing about, nothing. And I just jumped in feet first and said, I'm doing this. A health scare was actually what prompted me. 
When mum died um, eight years ago, I believed that she'd shortened her life by 20 years because she'd worked so hard as a teacher and I thought, I'm not doing that. When my father nearly died, oh, wow. I thought there's right. more to life than this. And I'd thought I'd always wanted to do this. And Brian said, well, what's stopping you, love? And then I had my own health scare and I went, right, <laughs> I had to. So it gave me a ch- chance to think I could do something different. But, yeah, it was terrifying that first year. Right. <laughs> but I kept going. I kept persisting. So, um, we- well done. Well, I mean, that is that is a true uh, sort of entrepreneurial spirit and also when, and I also think when you know that you're on the right track, when you know that you're doing something that's making a difference, you do just keep going because you know that it's just things that will settle down but in the end the sort of the main path is very clear to you. Yep. I definitely had that faith. I, My experience and my training and my education, you know, I had upgraded my qualifications with a third tertiary um, qualification and I knew that this positive support worked and it worked quickly and it had a lasting impact on kids. Um, So I had a lot of faith in that. And so I had a lot of – I really learned a lot about faith in myself. It was like you do know your stuff, keep going. You just have to keep asking the right questions and eventually you will find the right answer. And it really is a journey. That first year, you've got to go through that year. Um, It's a bit like going on a bear hunt. Can't go over it, can't go under it, got to go through it. You've just got to go through it. Yes, I love that. So were there any sort of surprises and shocks in the early days of you working for yourself where you just thought, God, I wish I'd known that? Or I guess what I'm, I'm angling at is are there things that you learned that maybe we could share with some of the women who might be listening that might help them or that they might just go, oh, my God, I was exactly the same? Oh, yeah. I mean, getting ripped because off. It- um, getting ripped <laughs> off by people who – Oh, look, I don't know that they were particularly malicious, but they weren't the right fit. If Look, I'll tell you what, trust your instincts. If it's not a right fit, walk away. I wasted a lot of money on a website that was atrociously designed by a bloke who I think he thought he knew what he was doing but didn't and I paid far too much right. for it and he stuffed around and, look, what I learned from that, though, it was a valuable experience. What I learned was what questions to ask. If I hadn't had that experience, right. I would never have known what questions to ask. Same thing with finding the right legal team. Um, there's more than one way around it because I was trying to protect uh, intellectual property. And, you know, again, yeah. um, I don't know that my best interests were being looked after. I mean, I look, I think they were doing the right thing ethically, absolutely, but – I don't think they really understood what it was I was trying to do. So that was very expensive, very distressing. But from that, I learned what questions to ask, definitely what questions to ask, but also to learn to trust my instincts. If it didn't feel right, I would not work with this people. I'd do a trial run. And that worked for me with other people that I encountered in that first year. I went, no, you're not the right person for me. So we'd part friends and I'd move on. And having hard conversations sometimes was tough too, but uh, painful but worth it, a bit like giving birth. (laughs) (laughs) Nice analogy. I think um, 
I think you're right in that you do need to find the right people. And I always remember my, when I had my PR agency, my partner saying to me, there was this client that we had who was just, they were lovely, but they were, we were just so dismissed around them. You, do you know what I mean? Like, I mm-hmm. mean, we'd go to a meeting and they go, I love what you did this week. We might just hold off for a couple of months and then we'll do it again. And you go, hang on, I'm going to have to work in that month to keep it all going. Mm-hmm. And I just mm-hmm. remember at the, at one stage saying to my business partner, I really hate them. Like I just don't want to even do the meeting. And she said, well, why are we in business for ourselves if it's not to work with the people we Mm. want to work with? And I never forget how terrified I felt telling them that they could find another PR agency and shaking on the inside. But you're right. I mean, you do have to find the right clients because otherwise it's just, it's, it, it just doesn't work for anyone. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, finding the right clients was another thing. I know you hear a lot about, you know, just take on anyone because you need to get your client base. No. I remember one of the first clients I worked with, again, lovely, but um, when she, you know, things just sort of faded off, I didn't pursue it um, because it was taking a lot of my time and energy that I could have been putting in other things. So, yeah, definitely make sure that you've got the right fit. You know, the sayings that they tell you, find the right tribe, all that stuff, it's very true. So how do you cope with marketing and finance and all that kind of thing? Is that something that comes naturally to you or have you just pulled in the experts where you've needed them? Because that's another thing about starting a business. Sorry, everyone thinks that, you know, I know what I do. I know how to sort out the kids and I know that I can do that. So, therefore, I'll start a business. But, of course, that's not just the business. There's all that other stuff around it. So, how have you coped with that? I had to learn, again, um, through mistakes and experience that you can't do it all. Um, Yeah, I focus on my strengths, which is building relationships with families and, you know, really reading kids and being able to support them. But finance, I suck at it. I absolutely, I cannot add up to save myself. I just don't think financially. My husband's better at it than I do. So I've realised I need a bookkeeper um, and a good accountant and developing relationships with those people. So, And that's the thing. An accountant is not a bookkeeper. They do similar things, but they're not the same. So that I needed that. Um, Website design, I had to find the right person who could then drive my website because I thought I could do it myself. What a waste of time that was. So, yeah, so there's a number (laughs) of different things. Getting a VA uh, to do all the the mundane paperwork. You know, I deal with a lot of clients with NDIS. It's an awful lot of paperwork. It takes an awful lot of time. And, you know, with what I charge and what my VA charges, I'm actually saving money when I pass it over to her. I had to learn that. That sometimes in order to save money right. because of how much time it takes me to do something and what I charge an hour, I'm making more sense if I actually yep. subcontract to another person. But again, it goes back to find the right fit, find the person who's right for you. I yeah. tried a few different VAs until I found the right one. Um, I tried a few different bookkeepers. I even found, you know, a couple of different kind of business coaches. I'll oh, get yourself a mentor, a good one. Um, all of those things, you cannot yeah. do it all yourself. You might have the vision, read a lot about Steve Jobs. You can have the vision, but you do need a team behind you. You can't do it yourself. It's not possible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then how did you get your first clients? So did you have, you know, when you made the leap into going for business for yourself, did you have a couple of people that said, oh, my God, I would use you straight away? So there was a comfort with that? Or yes how and no. have you found your clients other than? other than bumping into them down the street? (laughs) Um, Well, there's a little bit of bumping into them down the street. Look, 
um, being in a country town, having taught for thousands of years with distinctive white hair, <laughs> people know me. Um, all you have to do is say Dobbo right. or everyone calls me Miss. Uh, I need to write a book. Everyone calls me Miss. Um, that helped a lot. <laughs> so my first break came from a support coordinator um, who called me. Um, I had taught her son her daughter-in-law and her main support coordinator was a kid I'd taught as well. So they they knew me. I mean, sure, I had all the qualifications wow. and the blurb, yeah. but it was they knew me. So they rang me and said, yep, we'd love to, yeah. you know, love you to start. And, of course, I had no idea what I was doing, but figured out as I went. From that, word spread. And um, then I was marketing things like workshops and webinars, but it all started right. with – who knew me in the first place? And Justin Herald talks about this. I've loved Justin Herald forever. And he talks about how he started. So he's the guy. Do you want attitude with that? Do you know Justin? Right. Fantastic bloke. No, but so, that doesn't yeah, mean look, anything. Most people probably have heard of him. Yeah, no, check him out. He's great. So he talks about, you know, start with your friends and then you build from that. So that's how I got right. my first clients from who knew me. Um but then, yep. of course, you've got to keep your promises and you've got to follow through too. So there was a lot of hard work um, to start off with, but now I've got to a point where I'm becoming inundated. Someone rang me the other day and said, are you at capacity yet? Your book's full yet? And I said, oh, better get in quick. It's close. Um, and I may actually have to start putting staff on. That is so wonderful, Anne. And apart from anything else, I love it in your area helping all those kids that you're growing that fast. And I have absolutely no doubt at all, just in the little bit that I know of you, that people will be sending their children to you afterwards as well. So I think you've got an endless stream of customers. So talk to me about juggling work and life and how, especially when you've had a job that was very, you know, logical hours and, you know, as a school teacher, you've got your set times and your holidays and whatever. When you bring um, the business into the home, how do you delineate between, uh, you know, work and play, I guess? How are you juggling things? Are you taking specific time off? Yeah, um, interesting that you say that. Yes, there are regimented hours with a teacher, but any teacher who is watching this will know it's not the nine to three. And yeah. I can assure you we don't get many holidays. We might get time off, but we work. Um, having been an English teacher, I have right. set up many late hours marking papers and you should see what goes on with marking yeah. HSC papers. That said, I brought those skills to home. But I also recognised, right. um, and this is all to do with my knowledge of learning too, we are not machines. There's, you know, our body needs rest. So I would get up and I would work yep. office hours, um, slightly longer office hours, but office hours nonetheless. Yep. I get up at, uh, I start, I sit at the desk at 8 at 30, sometimes 8 o'clock. I always make sure I have coffee and breakfast with my yep. husband. I have a Japanese garden, so I always start with coffee yep. in the morning in the garden watching the sunrise because that clears my head. It's amazing what comes into my head when I sit there. How beautiful. I make sure I have lunch yeah. breaks. Um, and then when he comes home, whatever time, depending on his shift, I'll stop, I'll have a coffee with him. Um, and so that could be anywhere between, you know, 5.30 and 6 o'clock, have dinner. And then depending on what we're doing, depending on whether I'm seeing a client, I might put a couple of hours in. But by 9 o'clock, I'm done, absolutely done because right. I can't think anymore and I always have weekends off. 
I might spend a weekend going, I should be doing this, I should be oh, doing good. that. But I've learned it's not actually productive. I do know that you do need to rest and completely clear your head. So, I, yeah, that's how I do it. I do office hours and I learned what I couldn't get done um, would get done the next day. If I was running late, I would tell a client, very few yep. people worried. And I learned that also from teaching. I remember my first it's funny, year spending it's, it's, forever. It's funny. Sorry, no, Sorry. you go on. You go on. Oh, I was going to say my very first year I spent forever planning lessons oh. and they'd all fall apart the next um, day because <laughs> I was too tired. And then I found that my best lesson was the one I, um, yeah. you know, hadn't really prepared as thoroughly and it worked beautifully and that was a revelation. So I've kept that lesson. So, yeah, got to have it, got to have that work-life balance. Yeah, I absolutely think so. And it, I understand that if what you're doing, you're passionate about, um, that it can. And there are times when you're running your own business when you're going to have to do something on a Saturday oh, sure. or late in an mm. evening. But if you if you at least sort of semi-structure the days and go, this is what I want to do and I'll do the odd, you know, extra bit, I think I totally agree with you. I think, I, I think holidays and time off and structure is really important if you're going to be able to keep going. Now, here comes a really funny question that I ask everyone, a journalist suggested it to me, and I love the answers. You probably know what's coming because I did send you the questions. Is there a quirky fact about you that you would be up for sharing that not very many people know about? Um, I'm a classically trained <laughs> singer. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Tell I learned to sing. I you was trained by. That. Tell me, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I was trained by Christine Beasley, uh, who was with Opera Australia before my son was born and when I was still working in insurance. And I've done a few performances. In fact, I've got a role with our local theatre company um, as uh, Madame Giri in Phantom of the Opera with the Aubrey Wodonga Theatre Company. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, I can sing. Oh, that is fantastic. That, yeah. that What a great – wow, brilliant. Oh, I love singing. I did singing all the way through school, but I smoked and so my voice is gone. Yeah, um, yeah, you've really anyway, got to look after it. About me. Uh, mm. <laughs> you do. So, okay, now we're down to the last two questions, which are very lighthearted, and I only ask them because I'm obsessed with my phone myself and I like to do business and find out about new apps and that kind of thing. Are you somebody who uses their phone for business? Oh, all the time, all the time, yes. Um, oh, It's great. my most important tool. Okay, so tell me your favourite apps. Oh, my goodness, which one apps. would you like? <laughs> to be honest, um, the three. one I use. Give me three. Three, okay. Um, well, the ones I use all the time uh, because I'm on social media, Facebook, um, all the time. I'm yep. always on it. Um, the other one is my my email. I'm constantly on email because uh, that's the best way to yep. contact me. And um, yep. And ABC News. Oh, and the other ones, sorry, it's a fourth right. one, the conversation. If you want to be up to date, that's probably my favourite. If yeah. you want to be up to date with news that's impartial, that's, you know, I'm big on academic research, the conversation is my best friend. I do like ABC. And, and what is that? The conversation, so the conversation is. is an um, app, is it? It's own app? Yeah, it's its own app and it's connected to a website. Basically, it's journalism, um, but it's yep. done, it's research-based and it's usually written by um, academics, but it's not in academic ease, so it's actually easy to read. And okay. it's, 
Yeah, it's amazing stuff. Uh, it was a fantastic thing Monash University put out oh, in December about um, positive behaviour strategies and they, they're the top five things and it was everything I did. Right. Uh, they even used some of the, the language that I use, um, like don't say don't and all of that. <laughs> so I love the conversation. Um, so I'd oh, like to stay up. up to date with what's happening in the news, what is the latest research um, in anything. You know, I, yep. I like things about science and the planets and all of that stuff and um, the environment. And, yeah, there'll be stuff about education that pops up quite a lot and I'd like to stay informed. Great. Well, I love that. Now, are there any other ones outside of the, the sort of email and social media? Um, I love the conversation. Any other ones, though? That I, like I've got one that I use called JotNot that turns your phone into a scanner. So you don't have to use a scanning machine. You know, if you want to sign a form or whatever documents, you just take photos of them and it processes them into black and white and, and does yeah. it. Have you got any sort of nifty ones like that? that yeah, you I've got um, – because I've got a Canon printer, um, yeah. my uh, there's a Canon app that does the same yeah. thing. I used to have Tiny Scanner. Um, I don't use it as much now that I've got the Canon printer. Yeah, I use that quite a lot. Um, right. I like the the Myob, um, you know, receipt scanner and the fact that you can get your invoices as apps on Myob. Oh, okay. I, I know some people like Zero, but I really like Myob. It's what my accountant uses, and so she helped me understand it. Um, right. So I like have the convenience using, of that. Have you tried using Canva? Have you ever heard oh, of it? Oh, Canva! Have I tried using Canva? I live on Canva. <laughs> I love Canva. Isn't it? Canva's the best. Oh, the woman who developed that genius. Absolutely. Yes, Canva's on my um on my phone and it's it's one of my favorites on my um laptop as well. I would use Canva every single day. Um, yeah, right. Such yeah, a I fantastic. Well. Do you pay yeah. for it or do you use the free version? Oh, of course I pay for it. Yeah, absolutely I'd pay for it. Um, because I believe it's well worth it. And yeah. it's really not ridiculously expensive. Um, you know, the, the graphic design stuff that you don't have to think about, um, fabulous. Yeah, the quality of the pictures, the stock photos are great. I have to use stock photos when it comes to children because of all the child protection stuff. The yeah. quality of the stock photos are beautiful. Um, and it's it works. I just love Canva. Yes, Yes. Okay. Brilliant. Now, um, last but not least, do you play on it as well? Do you have any fun things like Scrabble or that kind of thing that you oh, play yeah, on it? Oh, yeah, words with friends. I uh, play yes. words with friends with my best friend and, yes. um, yeah, it's neck and neck. You can tell I'm a word nerd. I love words. Um, yeah, so do I. <laughs> I also like Sudoku, but um, I don't play it as much as I used to. That's numbers. Um, I can't even get into it because of the numbers. Oh, I like I, the I'd patterns. Do I do like, scrabble. yeah, um, and anything Japanese I like as well. <laughs> I love all oh, things why? Japanese. What's the Japanese connection? Oh, look, I've, I've um, always loved gardens. Um, that's family background and uh, I always wanted a Japanese garden. So I had a Japanese garden, but I then wanted to go to Japan. So in order to go to Japan, I decided I needed to learn Japanese. So I learned about Japanese culture. Wow. So um, I've been learning Japanese for about six years. And have you been there? Did you go in the end? To Japan? I've been a couple of times. I've got friends right. there now. And, yeah. Um, wow. Beautiful country. Beautiful people. Amazing. Oh, amazing, glorious. Amazing. I've yeah. heard great things about it and, and so I hope to get there one day. Yeah. So anyway, Sudoku is a Japanese, um, has a Japanese origin and I like the pattern 
um, I'm much into patterns rather than numbers. Right. So it's not it's not that I don't like numbers. I just can't add up. I really can't. I can spell, but <laughs> I, I can't know, add I'm up. Same. I always say to people, give me a calculator and I can still stuff it up with the adding up. I don't even know what I do, but it just yeah. doesn't work. Yeah, my husband can do it in his head. I don't know how he does it. Amazing. So, and if anybody wanted to get hold of you and you honestly are just such an amazing woman, I'm sure that you, I know that you can't deal with much more work at the moment, but I, I reckon you'll end up taking on staff and what have you. What is the best way for people to get hold of you? The best way to get hold of me is on my website, um, effectivebehaviourmanagement.com.au. Um, yep. yep. Um, you'll also find me on Facebook. Just look for the word effective behaviour management. Effective with an E, behaviour yes. with a U. <laughs> um, or just type in, you know, if you type in Anne Dobson, Anne with an E, Dobson and behaviour, it'll come up on Google. Um, although Wonderful. I'll have to, considering how Google's going at the moment, I'll have to make sure I'm on Bing and Safari as well. Well, um, there's this and other one called Duck, Duck, Go Duck, or Duck, something. Go. Yeah, yeah Duck, so Duck, Go is on the rise. That, but I think that one's a good one, yeah. Yeah, look, I'm old enough to remember when Google started. My goodness. Um, so, yeah, too. effective behaviour management. such a stupid and- word. Hmm? <laughs> I said Google when it first started. We were all like, "What a stupid word!" Yeah, and now yeah. It's, it's like an adverb. <laughs> it's yeah, it's and it's it's a verb. Google me. Yeah, it's incredible, yeah. isn't it? Um, yeah. So yeah, a lot of people yeah uh, who sort of contact me, going, "Look, I I need help, but I don't know where to start." I always start with a thirty minute discovery call, so you can do it on Zoom, and yeah. I just chat to you and say, "Look." What are you worried about? I um, ask a lot of questions about what does the behaviour look like? And look, there have been actually quite a few where that's it. They don't need me anymore. I give them one or two tips and they run off with it. As one woman in Melbourne, um, I just, you know, said, your baby's on the bookcase because you're feeding your other baby. Get him to get a book for for you from the bookcase. You read it while you're feeding and you got no problems. And she rang me three days later going, how did you do that? So and a smart. year later, yeah. a year later, she called me back and said, you wouldn't believe it, it's still working. Wow. She said, now I well, know that what he needs is my attention. She said, it's still working, you saved our marriage. And, you know, she gave me a testimony and all of that. So um, depending on what you need, yeah, a 30-minute discovery brilliant. call is a great place to start. And I love very generous of you to do. I just love helping families. I love seeing the relief on the parents' faces. Um, Parents get judged too much. You know, you're not doing this right. You're not doing that right. Chances are you are. Um, And it just takes one or two pointers and you're off you go. And I love that. I reckon that changes the world. Well, I reckon you uh, would be the absolute best person to have as your wingman as a parent. And, you know, if I'd known you when I had my twins and my four-year-old when they were younger. I tell you what, so many people say that. They say, oh, I wish I knew you. (laughs) One of my friends said to me, where were you when I was raising my kids? I said, raising my own. <laughs> well, I can't believe it. Today is my twins' fifteenth birthday, and I just—I I almost 15. can't believe that they have grown up to that extent. That really, you know, they're oh, nearly fifteen's mini a great men age. Now. Yeah, it I just love age, them at fifteen. Yeah, they're Boys just so the interesting. Well, oh, listen, okay, we could waffle on forever, but thank you so much. Um, thank I you. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Great. And um, I'll let you know when this is out. Um, and I hope that anybody listening it, listening to it has really enjoyed it. But you're a wonderful woman and thank you so much for sharing your story with me. 
Thanks, Jules. You're equally wonderful. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's great to chat. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au. 